Hey everybody, Chet. Chet's here with another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. What are we at? One sixty-four, maybe. Uh, hard to say. I think it's one hundred sixty-four. Crazy. Um, yeah, today uh, I had a great interview discussion with Mike Corral. Now you may know Mike from this podcast. He's the guy I started the podcast with, is it two years ago or three years ago? I don't even remember now, but uh, he used to be the co-host and had to leave when he started off his new life on the road in an RV, and uh, we catch up with him, talk about his adventures, talk about his new, um, or the project uh, he's been working on, New Mexico True Horror, and the strange twists and turns it's taken. And uh, it's great. I saw a rough cut of it, and it's really, really cool. I was impressed. So, um, yeah. Anyway, he's on deck for today. I just got done interviewing him. Super fun conversation and great catching up. So, let's see what's been going on with me. Um, I am, let's see. Let me think about this. I just, I'm... all over the place today. Uh, I got another batch of tool posters to doodle. These are not the ones I'm selling. These are ones that people have sent me. And um, so I'm doing that this week. And after that, I'm taking a break from tool posters all next month. And I'm going to work on dystopia and finish that damn book so i'm excited about that to just have a month solid to where i don't have to think about anything else that and commission stuff i need to do i figure i'll do dystopia in the day uh commission work in the evening because i have no life so that's about it going on here let's see uh not too much exciting you know the usual not not a whole guy I got my have my daughter-in-law come and help me clean my office and my studio so everything's clean now so that's nice because it got insane it's just the way it goes for me I just I start off with a nice clean studio and then I hit a eventually eventually no matter what I just cannot keep it clean I can't do it or maybe I can I haven't found a way to do it it just eventually gets to be such a mess that I have to stop everything and clean it. I just, I have such a hard time cleaning as I work because when I work, I'm so into what I'm doing. I can't stop to go put this jar away that of some medium I'm using, you know, it's just, I don't know. I've always been this way. Oh, I wanted to mention also, um, cause that, that made me think of, I like to paint monsters. Chet Zar, I like to paint monsters. The documentary that Mike Carell directed and made about me, and um, there's a part my sister's in it, and she says, "I just remember," he was, you know, she's saying I was a nice, nice kid and everything when I was little, and he was just really messy, and that's you know, <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that about me. It's like one of my personality traits. I'm not proud of it, but, you know, it's the way I am. 
So, but I did want to mention, I, I have Chet Zara like to paint monsters, the DVD on sale in my web store now. So, um, before signed copies were 25 bucks and now I'm selling them for, I think 18 bucks. And my book, Black Magic, the Art of Chet Zar, is also on sale. So, uh, I think they're 35, regularly 40 bucks or 30 or so. I don't know. Uh, something like that. But I thought I'd put them on sale because people are stuck at home. It might be a good time, you know, since people are reading more and looking at art books and watching movies. I thought, hey, this is a good time to cut people a uh, break on the price. So you can get that at chetzar.bigcartel.com. And, um, yeah, so that's that. Let's see, what else? What else do I have written down in my notes here? Um, let's get on to the new subscribers. And who knows where I left off. Let's see. I think I remember, actually, because... Hold on. I'm sorry. I should have been more prepared. R Randall B. Perkins usually sends me a little message and lets me know where I left off, which is really, really nice of him. Um, okay, yes, he did. Thank you, Randall. I appreciate that. So we left off at Brooklyn Bomb. So new subscribers to the Patreon. If you want to join, patreon.com slash darkartsociety. You get the podcast today early. You get to join in on the Dark Art Society live art paint jams we do every Friday on Zoom. Super fun. And uh, I've been adding a, a lot of uh, imagery um, to the to the uh, uh, Patreon. When I have an artist on, I'll have a bunch of extra images you could look at. So, um, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth a dollar a month for sure. Okay, let's get on. New subscribers. Okay, we left off with Brooklyn Bomb. New subscriber, Chelsea. Mark Klepfer. Klepfer. K-L-O-E-P-F-E-R. Um, hey, Steve Wang. Thanks, Steve. Steve Wang joined. That's nice of him. You didn't need to do that. But I appreciate it. And Time Essery. Time's a, a tattoo artist, painter. Really cool guy. I think I met him at the uh, one of the documentary screenings when we were on the film festival circuit. So thank you, thank you everybody for supporting. Oh, I wanted to give a shout out to <clears throat> Kenny Rains. Kenny Rains, this is your shout out. You asked me for a shout out ten minutes ago. There's your shout out. Kenny Rains is a cool dude. Anyway, let's get on with it. Um, oh, okay. One last thing. I keep forgetting to do this, and we do talk about it. <clears throat> Mike reminded me actually at the end of the interview. Um, we're trying to get uh, uh, Chet Zar. I like to paint monsters onto Netflix so everybody can see it for free or for a Netflix subscription. So if you wouldn't mind, it would be really appreciated. I know a lot of people listen to the podcast. So if everyone just went onto Netflix website and requested, I like to paint monsters. Um, that would be awesome. And, and I think if enough people do it, it'll happen. Now, 
There's a link in the description on SoundCloud uh, in the body of the text. And uh, But if you search, uh, you just Google Netflix title request, it'll come up. And then you just put in, just make sure you put in Chet Zar colon I Like to Paint Monsters. I would really appreciate it because uh, I would love to see it on Netflix. I think that would be amazing. Anyway, on with the show, Mike Carell, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Mike. Hey, Chet. How are you? I'm good. This is kind of <laughs> like old times, right? I know. Yeah, We've already nice. talked for 40 minutes before the episode <laughs> You know what? We should have recorded it for the pre-roll because I don't. I haven't done the pre-roll since you left. Yeah, Because <laughs> I can't. Have. I'm like, I can't, you know, what am I going to do, a pre-roll of me talking to myself? <laughs> yeah, that might not be that entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's good to talk to you. It's been, been, a, been a while since we talked, uh, even on the phone, I think. Yeah, We've we talked last busy. week, but that was the first time we talked in like four months. So. Right. Yeah, so yeah, it's been a long a, time. Um, yeah, you're you're in this beautiful location right now. What's I mean, you want to give everybody an update of what's going on in your crazy life? Yeah, yeah. So it's been what six or seven months since I was on last, and the last time I was on, we were in Brookings, Oregon, and I was staying at uh, oh, McKin- McKinney Residence. Right. Yeah, we were doing the beer brewing, and That's I was working right. for the the bakery, doing online social media stuff, and. Working with, uh, ended up working with Spencer Reynolds, who's a super cool artist who does stuff out of Brookings, does a lot of uh, oil paintings of like ocean scenes, but they're pretty psychedelic. Mm. So I ended up working with them and worked with Fat Irish Pub and Kitchen. So I did a bunch of social media stuff while we were there, and uh, it was really great. They were awesome people, and we had a lot of fun. And then we decided we would get out of the rain because it was coming in. And so, you know, it's living in an RV full time. The rain is not your friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird how you have to chase the weather around or interesting anyway. Just like I never thought about, you know, because everybody, everybody talks about uh, everybody I know, myself included, like, oh, it'd be great to just give everything up and go live in an RV. But you never think about the weather situation. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it matters because you're living in like a tin can. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if a tree falls on it or if a tornado hits it, it's going to be far more detrimental yeah. than if you live in a what they call in, in my world a stick and brick or a house. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's you definitely are chasing the weather. And we were like, you know, if we're going to winter over, let's find a place to do that. And we ended up in Southern California and we ended up at uh, Rising Star Ranch, which is a, a horse ranch just outside of the Inland Empire. So it was like halfway between Los Angeles and San Diego, but, you know, 1,500 feet up in the mountains. I think it was only really, as a crow flies, like 12 miles from the ocean, but we never even saw the ocean while we were there. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we were just working like crazy. It was it was actually, a, <clears throat> I would say, probably one of one of the hardest labor places that we've done next to next to the Leonard Farm in North Carolina. Oh, my Carolina. God. You're, yeah, on your Patreon, it was like <laughs> you're <laughs> doing that um... – uh, erecting that big yeah. horse stable cover, and it's like the next day, you, another post. Oh, the wind came and blew it all down, and here's yeah. a. Then you did it again, and that looked like a, a kind of a nightmare. That 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 tent you guys were. Well, and the crazy thing is, is that now it's, I mean, I think it went through five permutations while we were there and we left, it still wasn't done. Really? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily, you know, it's, it's not the most gratifying thing to have something that you build be destroyed time upon time upon time. So frustrating. 
<clears throat> I'm sure it was far more frustrating for our ranch hosts, given that, you know, they're the ones that are putting the money into it. But, uh, right. but yeah, it was, you know, we got there. It was funny because we got there and, and we had left and assumed it was going to take us three days. And then that first day we were driving and we were like, you know, I don't want to get stuck having to go through San Francisco during rush hour. So we actually just kept driving and we drove all the way past San Francisco and a good, good section of the way down to LA and we stopped at like three in the morning at a rest stop and just slept at a rest stop for six hours. Wow. Um, but then the next day we were like, it looked like we were going to get there like four 30 and we weren't supposed to be there for a following day. So it was interesting actually, because we were right by your place. We were right down by Monrovia. We were driving along and Joyce trying to find a place for us to dock. And there was just no opportunities. And I was like, I just hate to, what, what about the, uh, uh, Walmart? Well, you can always stay at a Walmart for sure, but we were like, you were going to get wherever we were going to go at four o'clock. And so then we, you know, oh, we're going to like stop at a Walmart at 4 p.m. and then just like live in the parking lot for the whole entire <laughs> afternoon. Evening, know. You know, maybe. So, I mean, I'm not saying you couldn't. It just seems <laughs> it's a little weird. right? Yeah. So, I don't know that that would be especially for having three dogs. You know, yeah, it's like true. this is a little weird. So we're trying to figure out what we were going to do. And then all of a sudden I get a text from our host and. She's like, so how's your progress? And I was like, well, to be honest, <laughs> we're only about two hours out. We, we didn't want to just show up. And, you know, we also didn't want to, you know, bug you a day early. So we weren't going to show up. And they were like, no, no, just come on over. So oh, we get cool. there. We pull up to they have like an electric gate and we pull up to the electric gate and they meet us down there and we meet each other for the first time. You know, it's this crazy work camping lifestyle where you don't even know these people and you just drive in cold to their property. You right. Know? And, uh, and I meet, meet this woman, Lorelai, super sweet person. And then they open the electric gate and we start pulling through and, you know, we're, we're a 29 foot long RV. we got a 16 foot trailer behind us. So I'm pulling through slowly, you know, making sure I don't hit. Well, it turns out this gate has got a 30 second timer on it. No one tells me. So all of a sudden I hear this crunch Oh no! and the gate just slams down like jaws on the side of the steamboat. Oh and I, you know, I don't stop because I don't really know what's going on. And it rips the entire awning arm straight off the side of the rig. Just oh, like, oh, that's why that, how that happened. Yeah. So we pull in and these poor people, they're like, oh my gosh, we're so sorry. <laughs> we're so sorry. We had no idea. We didn't, we should have told you, you know, and they felt so bad. And then, you know how I am. I was like, oh, well, shit happens. Okay. So where do we park? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So we got, you know, got ourselves settled in and stuff. So it was kind of a funny way, you know coming in they, to have your the, the side of your awning ripped off as you're coming through the door you know some might even take that as a bad omen but <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it was actually an awesome place but it was funny because it you know we, we it started raining we were there and she said why don't you guys just take the next few days and kind of settle in because in a week we're going to have a chipper out and we're going to do a wood chipping day and we'll you know we're going to chip a bunch of of old oak that's that came down during a, a winter storm a few years back so why don't you guys save your energy up and save your hours up? Because, you know, when you do work camping, you're working for a certain amount of hours and trade for whatever resources that are agreed upon. So we're like, oh, OK. You know, so we just kind of settled in. It was super chill. But, man, that chipping day came and I got my ass served to me. <laughs> like, really? dude, I'm telling you, that was some hardcore work. Why? Like, what, 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 well, what, you what only you get a chipper. So chippers is like you, it'll only run for a certain amount of time and, and you're only allowed to run it. It has like a timer built into it. Wait, so it doesn't so you, overheat or something? 
I'm not a, I can't say entirely. I don't know exactly, but I can, maybe that is it. I don't know. But, but either way, you only get it for this. It'll, you can only run it for eight hours. That's the amount of time you get on it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you rent one of those things, it's a spendy item and they're big, it's a big chunk of machinery. And so we're trying to chip as much as, you know, Uh. as much as we can in eight (laughs) hours. And so there was no rest for the, the weary man. It was like, we got one 15 minute break where we like stuffed food. And it was just, and I'd been working, you know, in Brookings doing online work. So it wasn't like I was in tip top physical condition or anything, right. you know? Oh man, it was grueling, dude. It was hardcore. It was like, you know, and I was, I ended up cause I'm, you know, tall and I have long arms and, and I'm, I'm somewhat strong. So I ended up kind of running the hopper and dude, what a brutal job. Cause you've got all these huge branches, you know, and, and logs and things that you're feeding into this, basically the maw of a steel giant chomping this stuff down into pieces. So of course it's super dangerous cause you could get sucked in and mangled, you mm-hmm. know, but you also got to get your arms in there way past where you're supposed to, to actually feed the things. Oh, It'll shit. choke on wood as you're going, you know, it'll oh, like choke God. on a piece. Dude, it spits pieces out at you, rip your whole entire pelvis off. Oh, my I mean, God. seriously, it's hard. Like You'll be holding a gigantic, let's say maybe, I don't know, an eight-inch across piece of wood or six-inch across piece of wood, and you're feeding this branch in there. And as it's feeding, it's like chomping it, and you're trying to kind of direct it in there. And, man, it'll take your hand and just smash it into the metal roof, just absolutely (sighs) bang, you know? It was intense. When I got done, I have scars still to this day from that day because the the branches are just – you're wearing long sleeve shirts, but they're just cutting your arms to shreds, you know? You're bleeding all over and – you're getting hit in the face with sticks that are shooting back out. The dude that was working with me, Steven, became pretty good friends with him. He got one in the face pretty hard, like, you know, and I think I kind of felt like it was my fault because there's a couple of you trying to run the hopper and everybody else is running around getting arm loads and running them over and then it's kind of like this, you know, assembly line of feeding oh you the God. sticks and you're wow. feeding them into this chipper. <laughs> and it's really loud, you know, because it's this industrial machine. So you have ear, you know, earplugs in, so you can't hear anybody. So you're like, pantomiming you know super dusty it's just you know you're yeah. inhaling dust and wood chips that i had a profile pic my first profile pic i took there and i mean i really like you have to look at it i'm I, i'm just absolutely so covered in dirt i'm just you know absolutely brown oh yeah the, the i saw that yeah. sweat trickles through it it yeah. looks like i have like a river of like just dirt down my face and <laughs> river chest <of> filth. <laughs> yeah it was brutal man it took a few days to recover from that so we got there and we were like wow this is gonna it's going to be a job. All right. You know, Yeah. but they weren't, of course, all the jobs weren't like that. And it, and it was mostly, you know, like you'd have a couple jobs here and there that were pretty big ranch jobs. Like you said, erecting a shelter, you know, for a horse arena or, you know, doing things like that, going and getting telephone poles and stuff like that, heavy duty jobs. But then there was also just the daily stuff. So like every day I would go out and I'd feed all the horses every day. So I'd feed 17 horses. I'd feed five dogs. I'd feed, I, at the time it was like nine goats and four sheep, but then they had babies while we were there. So we filmed and watched the whole entire birth process. And oh, cool. they had, when it was all said and done, I think they had like another eight babies, you know, so we had to wow. watch these babies grow up and yeah, really cool. Just amazing people, really salt of the earth kind of people and very giving and really bonded with them. So that was you know, and for Joy, it was great because, of course, she loves horses and has a lot of experience doing the horse thing. So mm. she really she became like, the, you know, the, the the barn maid. She was like she ran that thing. She was down there, you know, mucking all the stalls and we were helping them ferry horses. So they'd have a farrier come out to clip their hooves and we'd, you know, shuffle a horse out and then hold the horse for them while they did the farrier work. And 
So yeah, it was really, I mean, a lot of new stuff for me, perhaps probably a lot of old stuff for Joy, but really got a lot of time to bond with animals. I mean, you saw all the dogs and stuff yeah. there, and all outdoor dogs just living the life, you know. Yep. Yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience, but also really hard, you know, very physically demanding in order to do your hours. And then I was doing day labor to make money on the side. So I didn't really have a break. So it'd be like, you know, you do a ranch day, whatever that job was for that day, you know, and, and oftentimes there'd be a list and I'd pick off, you know, four or five different jobs doing myself or get some help. But then the next day I'd have to go do a day labor job. And then the next day I'd go back to the ranch and then the next day I'd go do a day labor job. So it was just you know, very, very physically taxing. Um, but right. certainly great for my knee. Cause you remember when I started on the trip, I blew my knee out Yeah, and my knees better than ever from all the, you know, physical therapy from just doing all that labor and being real careful. Oh, that's cool. But, but hardcore stuff, man, I had one job where I did, this guy had a pool that he had dug out and it had rained and it had, had basically pulled eight to nine inches of mud into the bottom of this pool that he had had dug out. And it Damn. was, and it, then it had all hardened and dried and I, me and another guy, we excavated that entire eight inches with shovels from the bottom of this thing, man. And it took like two weeks of every other day where I was, we we're, you know, five hours of literally just like, you know, pickaxing. I was actually using a, using one of those hydraulic, um, I don't even know what they're called. You, you know what I'm talking about though? The, like the hydraulic thing with the, the metal tongue on it, that's like up and down, you know? No. What, a, what thing? Like a jack, like a hydraulic oh, jack. Sheesh. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Was like a jack. We're like, you know, you got your you're breaking up soil, and it's got like a, you know a, a metal shovel on the end of it that's just going up and down super fast. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't even think jack is the right right the right mm -hmm. terminology for it. But yeah, so you know, you're jacking, you know, jackhammer like a jack. Yeah, jackhammer. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. So I was using like a an electric jackhammer. And then I had this guy, Luis, he was using a pickaxe and, you know, shovels and then huffing it all out of the pool into the bucket of a tractor. And then when the tractor bucket would fill up, take the dirt wherever the guy needed it and dump it and plane it off and then come back, you know, put the bucket back down, climb back down in the pool, you know, on and on and on and on and on. So, wow. yeah, really, really intense stuff. Yeah. Um, but also some fun projects. I love construction. So I got to do some I built a, a goat pen for a, a client, a woman and. She got the goats, so I got to see the goats living in the pen I built. Oh, nice. Did a plumbing job so she could get water to all her livestock. She needed to force spigots, and so I designed a whole system for her and built it. And Yeah, so it was, you know, again, it was really rewarding, um, but, you know, intense stuff, intense hard labor. Yeah, yeah, I know. Some of those uh, videos and pictures on your uh, Patreon are just like, geez, this is hardcore, man. Yeah, I certainly couldn't do it. Well, I mean, I guess it's good for me because I like that kind of thing. And, uh, I, and if you don't, then you wouldn't, you know, want to do that. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't do it even if I wanted yeah. to. I mean, yeah. you got to be in pretty good shape to do that kind of work. Although I suppose if I did it, I'd probably be in pretty good shape. That's it right there, <laughs> you know, because like I said, when I got there after Brookings, I was a ball of dough. You know, I hadn't been doing anything for two and a half months physical at all. I mean, mm -hmm. I helped Sean move some wood and I cleared a trail for him for his birthday. That was it. Right. So it wasn't, you know. So, yeah, I was feeling pretty beat up there for a while. And then, of course, you just you gain your stamina, you know, but I was eating like crazy, too. I mean, Joy could attest to it. I've never I, I couldn't stop eating. I mean, literally, I'd be like eating <laughs> all day long. I just couldn't stop eating. Wow. Because I was working so hard, I was burning so many calories. You know, right, right. 
eating and eating and eat. I was always hungry. <laughs> like, yeah, what a anything. I didn't care what it was either. I was just <laughs> like, yeah, food, give me food. I need food. I don't even care. <laughs> I was like, I got in Steven's truck one day and I was like, I'd already eaten and I was hungry. And he was like, oh, look, I got a, this weird prepackaged muffin on the floor. It's been down there for a week. And I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> I totally ate it. Like, I was like, what do I care? I just need calories. So yeah, yeah. it's a totally different, different, uh, lifestyle i guess than most people or people that don't do that sort of thing for a living. but you know what's fascinating dude about the whole thing and i i've i've written about this but not at length and i'd like to spend some time writing about it but the thing that like the interesting paradigm about that particular experience at that particular place was it really was kind of a modern day version of indenture or not indentured rather but voluntary serfdom you know we were kind of like serfs right we lived on this land that was owned by these the baron and the baroness, basically, mm-hmm. right? They're like these two people. They they're they're doing well financially. They own this property. They have this huge horse ranch. You know, they they've they're they're doing well for themselves in that regard. And so they you know they have this property, but they can't handle all of it. And then they've got their kids, and it's kind of like you know the princesses and the princes. And then you've got like the the people that are courting the princesses and the princes, right? You know mm-hmm. the the peripherals like Stephen. He was he was the you know the fiance of one of one of the daughters there. And, and then you've got the people that are us, like you know the, our our other work campers. There we called we were called guest caretakers, um, but we're we're basically serfs because. You know, everything that we get comes from working there and it's direct. They don't give us any money. They give us a place to live, you know, and they feed us, you know, when they can. And they give us all of our utilities and they provide a place and all the things. There's no money change hands, but we rely upon them to have the place for us to be. And they rely upon us to do the menial tasks that they don't have the time to do in order to keep the place running. Right. So it was really a kind of a fascinating thing. It kind of reminded me almost of like um, when they redid Romeo and Juliet and they modernized it. You know, mm-hmm. it was like all the same thing, but just different costumes. And that's kind of how it felt there. Cause you know, we didn't leave very often. We were way outside the city, way out in the, you know, way out in the country. And so you'd be there for a week and you wouldn't leave, you know? And it was, it, it really had this kind of feeling of like, you know, this could just, this could literally be medieval times. It's just that we're all wearing different costumes, you know, right. because it felt that way. And it, it, you know, and again, I, it, we weren't indentured servants. So it wasn't like we were born into it. We certainly could leave. And we did obviously at one point in time, but, but it's still that feeling of voluntary serfdom where you're giving over your time and energy to live there and be on the ground. And if, if they succeed, you succeed. And if you succeed, they succeed. And so it was, you know, really an interesting experience. Most of the places we've stayed at, we've kind of been on the same level, peer level as the people. Mm-hmm. Whereas at this place, they were they were wealthy and, you know, we're not wealthy. And so they were, you know, just on a class level above us as a result of that. And so it really did have kind of a hierarchical feel. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like you had to go talk to the to the the head guy, you know, and I started calling him the baron. You had to go talk to the baron about some <laughs> job, you know. You're going to be very different with the baron than you're going to be with the prince or the princess right. or even another serf for that matter, you know. You know, it's interesting it's interesting when you when you cuz I've worked for people that are really rich and um it's interesting because if you get to know them well enough, you realize they're like, you know, you or me, if, if you or mm-hmm. me was really rich, it's like, you really kind of realize it's like, everybody's the same really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's all relative. Yeah. Totally. And cause you know, especially at a place like that where they were very transparent about what they did and how they did it. I even went on a, a shoot with them because they, their business actually, uh, in motion pictures studio, uh, does, 
basically corporate film gigs where they go and they shoot not film but video they go and they shoot video of big corporate gigs and then they package it up you know for people mm. and then they do they also have a subset of doing weddings they have actually a lot of different things they do but they had a, one of their gigs was to go and film like a, a, a fashion contest I can't even remember all the details now but it was basically high school girls with their moms and they they would go up and do this fashion thing where they would walk the catwalk and show off the clothes from the different sponsors but then all of the money that was made off of it went to some charitable organization, and I can't remember what it was now. Mm. But they needed an extra cameraman, so they actually brought me along. So here, you know, I'm I'm the ranch guy down there doing the ranch right. work. But then they like, you know, gave me their son their son's clothes to wear, so I look I had a blazer and didn't look like you know a, a scumball. And then I went to this gig with them <laughs> that was down by Disneyland, you know, and shot for a couple hours, which was fun because I haven't you know shot anything in quite a while. I know um, I saw a picture of you filming you're all kind of dressed nice <laughs> looking all spiffy yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so it was you know i kind of got a little bit of an inside idea and we became real close with all their you know the family members and stuff and and so it was interesting to see like you said you know they for for all intents and purposes from an, an external standpoint you would say well gosh they're really wealthy but they're living at the standard they're at so they're just they're right at the edge of the bone like everybody else right, right. because you know, they have to, they have granted, they have more money, but they have more things and they have to maintain all those you know, more they got things. A business, 17 they got horses. A, yeah. And they got, Holy yeah, crap, yeah. Man. You think about the amount of hay, how much that costs to bring, right. like you saw the videos of them bringing that, the squeezes of hay in like, right. Whoa, you know, and the, that was, it's an expensive endeavor. So, you know, again, Oh, well they have a lot of things, but at the end of the day, they're, they're still working job to job. And if they don't get it, the job, they're still in just as tight a spot as I am. Yeah, it's just, it's yeah. all relative. I, you know, well, especially now there's just, there's, there's a, uh, you know, and understandably so there's a real kind of, um, uh, I guess prejudice. I hate to use that term for something like that, but kind of a prejudice against rich people or people mm-hmm. with money. And it's like, you know, when you actually get, you know, and cause you know, it sounds weird to say it, but you, you know, you can go through your whole life and really not be close to anybody who's got a lot of money. To, oh know, yeah. Most people probably. But, um, when you, when you, uh, do get to know wealthy people, you just, you realize that they're just like, you know, they're pr- pretty much doing what you probably, what you would be doing if you had that kind of money, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not exactly, but, it's not a huge, it's not some, it seems so foreign to most people. What, you know, mm-hmm. having a lot of money that, and what, what must those people, I used to always think, what are, what are those people like? You know, their life right. must be so different and they're, and they're not really, they're really they're not, not that, that different. It's like, you know, you I mean, could, now there's probably, there's with that said, I, I would counter that and simply say, I'm sure there are some very wealthy people whose lives are very yeah, different than true, ours. True. But I, I agree with you in the sense of saying like, to, to give, even though it's painful to do so, a bit of a generalization, you know, that I would say the vast majority of people that are in that position are just like us in that way, yeah, in just, the way you're describing. Yeah, yeah. And and it's and, and also the other weird thing, too, is like, you know, people that average your average everyday person like you and I, you know, we think or when you don't think about it, you think rich people and then they're this thing, they're this block. Yeah, and it's yeah. and but when you when you when you when you uh you know go through life and you eventually you work with people or you meet people that have money there's like a bunch of levels of what wealth is like totally. you know there's there's people that think that the people you work for are probably they probably see them as poor 
because yeah. there's you know these people that are making billions and there's every you know it's like it's you know if you're making like half a million dollars a year that's to me that would be rich but to yeah. to someone who's making um 5 million a year that's yeah. nothing or someone who's nothing. 10 yeah. million you know so and it's 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 uh yeah it's it's uh it's just interesting to think about about that cuz you know people are people Basically. That's what it comes down to. I mean, I, I think that really for me, that's been one of the most fascinating parts of doing this full-time RV thing. You know, you look forward at something like that. It's a dream of yours and you work towards it and you have all these preconceived ideas of what you think that'll be like, you know, mm -hmm. and how that might impact you. And you're like, oh, well, it'll probably impact me in this way or that way. And oftentimes that's true. And oftentimes it's not. And then there are other times where it totally affects you in ways you wouldn't have expected, you know? Mm -hmm. and And that's one of the ways is that you, what you find over, you know, at least I have found, maybe not the hypothetical you, but I certainly have found over the past, you know, what, 15 months-ish, 20 states across the United States. Now, granted, that's not the world, and so I can only talk about the United States. But what I've found is, is that all individuals break the mold of whatever generalization is going to be applied right. to them. It's just the reality. As, as soon as you start interacting with different people of different even very small changes. I mean, you could be in like in Louisiana in one parish and drive a half an hour to another parish and it's a completely different dialect oh, and yeah. culture, yeah. you know? And so as you do that, you really start to, you know, it, it's really a, a kind of a profound epiphany to be like, you know, all these labels that we have to use, we need them. We need the generalizations in order to talk about things. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, all of those individuals that you meet are going to break whatever mold because they're, they're idiosyncratic and they're unique, mm -hmm. you know, they're a unique expression of, of humanity. And so it's fascinating because really it, it has helped me to be far more open-minded and accepting. And I, and I didn't expect that was going to be a result going into it. I, I didn't even pay that, that thought any heat at all. So right. Right. Really fascinating. You know, one other point that I just thought of uh, since we're talking about this and then we can move on, but uh, one other thing, thing that i've been thinking about lately as far as uh wealth wealthy people is that um even it's it's like you know there's there's a there, there's a, a large number of you know most the 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 99 um don't have that kind of money right and mm -hmm. um but uh we even at like the, uh, even the the you know the, at the people at the poverty level are still like considered rich to a lot of the rest of the world yeah <laughs> because our yeah. standard of living is so high yep. that um you know like uh uh you know the all the even like you know not to say that homeless people don't have it difficult but homeless people in the United States compared to like india yeah or um you know yeah. uh, you, you know what i'm saying it's like I it's do. it's they, they probably you know view people that have access to homeless shelters as being you know well to do in a way you know yeah but yeah. even even people just that can afford a cell phone you know this is yep. like you know we're like we are the, the united states and other you know industrialized countries are like the rich people of the world even at the lowest level that you yep. can be poverty wise it's true it's, it's kind of which is true. so crazy 
Well, and maybe that's been part of what's been fascinating about this big development that we've all been experiencing is is that people are getting a little bit of a head check about all that. Right. Because it's easy. I mean, it's easy for all of us, myself included. It's it's very easy to go into a store with fully stocked shelves and, and just not even perceive, but automatically take for granted that there won't just be a replacement item that's going to fill right. up the one you yeah. took. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah. So it's... when all of a sudden you're faced with the reality, you know, like as we were, which is part of one of the motivating factors of, of leaving Southern California. Yeah, abruptly yeah, I wanted you to did. tell, if you, if you can, tell that yeah, yeah, story. Yeah, I can talk that about that. Crazy. Yeah, but that was, I mean, that, and that kind of is a good segue into right. it. So it was like, <clears throat> you know, we're going to get food at a store, <clears throat> excuse me, and I was getting food on a pretty regular basis. You know, living in an RV, you only have so much space to put food. And so you you can't really stock up. You can't, you know, have a bunch of extra stuff. And so I was going to get food. And so I was, you know, maybe more than a person who lives in in a stick and brick. And so I was observing the, you know, the the shortages as they were occurring on a pretty rapid basis. And one day I went to the store and there was nothing on the shelves. And when I say that, I'm not exaggerating, except for I can say there was soda and candy. Those are the only things. And it just went to show, like, what do people really prioritize first and <laughs> foremost? You know what I mean? Well, certainly paper products, as evidenced by that well, those were the first things that disappeared. I mean, actually, as I watched it happen, the first thing that disappeared was in, in the area I was in, which was the Inland Empire. So we're talking Temecula, Marietta. Right. And this is when? At what point? This was, I mean, we, we've been here for two months and, and what it's May. So I, I don't know I have to do that. I had to go forward. It's like trying to do the alphabet backwards. So January, much, February, March, April, How May. far into the, the pandemic was it? I'm just wondering. Uh, well, Within again, the first trying to, couple months, it was, it was the first couple few weeks. Okay. I mean, it was like, it, right. it was just starting to, ha- okay, let's put it this way. We left a day after LA went 24 hour mm. lockdown. When that happened, you remember when you sent yeah. me a message and you said, I'm pretty sure they're going to go down on lo- go down lockdown in 24 hours or something? Right. We left the day after that because we drove through L.A. Okay. right when that happened. So this would have been like days preceding that. So, so you know, but, but weeks even because I would say right. for over a period of two weeks, what I watched was, okay, hand sanitizer's out first and foremost. There was no hand sanitizer. There were big signs everywhere. We're out of hand sanitizer. Then the next thing were paper products, right. obviously, predominantly toilet paper. And then there were all the other paper products that people might use in lieu of toilet paper, <laughs> paper towels, things of that nature. <laughs> and then as it went on, you know, it was like there there was a day where there was like maybe less dry goods. And then I went to the store and I'm not joking you, man. I went into this Walmart and it wasn't a super center. And I went in and there was nothing. There was no frozen. There were no canned. There was no pasta. There was no bread. There was no meat. There was no there. There was no produce. There was nothing. There was no food. There was right. candy and cookies and soda. But that was it. I mean, it was like, and I didn't take pictures because I just, it was the whole thing was so shocking and and it was there. You know, it was a lot of unrest and people scared. Right. And I was like, I don't know that I want to be just like walking around taking pictures. I don't feel good about that. But. <clears throat> I was like, okay, we'll go to the super center. I went to the super but, center. Well, same, wait, wait, same thing. Wait, wait. Okay, before you before you get into this, you need to. Uh, 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 I get, I, or I guess I would want to re- reiterate the point that you know, for you know, we we went to the store at first, and there was not a lot of food, right? But back at our house, you know, there's food. There's all kinds of food. There's food you have from. You got cans of food. From a year ago and stuff, right. so it's not like oh I can't I'm not gonna eat. But you're the thing that struck me when you were telling me this story was um, you literally didn't have any food 
Yeah. Because you're living in an RV and it's not like you have a ton of food. And that's no. like makes the shock, you know, <laughs> a real shock. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think that's a, that's a really good point. I guess I just automatically took it for granted. But you're right. We did, you know, we we did not have an an overstock. So you literally anything. are like I'm hungry and there's nowhere to get any and food. Yeah. Except candy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was like, um, so <laughs> this is this is a little bit intense. And then I went to this, you know, the superstore thinking, okay, well, maybe it was just that one store. Nope, nothing there. Then I went to a Stater Brothers because they have those down there. I'd never been to one of those. And they had some stuff. They they were, you know, it was better than the Walmarts were, but it was still, it was like, you know, when we got food there, that's what we did. <laughs> that was how we got food. Right. Joy was with me and she, cause she was like, I got to see this. Cause I'd been telling her about it and she hadn't gone to town. I'd been telling her it's, you know, cause she, she kind of was watching all this happen. Joy's a big research bug. And so she kind of knew what was going on before it had become real popular news and was telling me what was going on. And so she was like, look for this, look for that. You know? So I was kind of like hip to what was going on and was looking for things that were missing. And I'd been telling her and she was like, I got to go with you. So she went with me and we ended up getting food at Stater Brothers that day because that was the only place we could find food. But we were like, dude, this is just the beginning of this. And there's already all these food shortages. Like we have to eat. I have to be able to feed my family. Right. You know, I got to get dog dogs. Food. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I got to, got to be able to eat. And we weren't at a, we're at a ranch, not a farm. So there's no food there. You know, and I'm not going to eat someone's horse. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, we were there was definitely a, a moment of like, man, this is this is uh, this is getting a little freaky. And then Joy starts, you know, doing not starts, but she's continuing to do her research and she realizes that they're starting to do, you know, road closures and they're starting to do checkpoints. And, they're yeah, starting, so all, you know, all of this takes on such a different uh, level of intensity when you're living in an RV, I imagine. Yeah, you live on wheels. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so what are you going to do like you can't oh shelter in place well you do realize that in place for me <laughs> you know right. is variable and so and simultaneously they're closing all campgrounds they're closing all parks they're right, closing, everything's right. closing 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 <laughs> we're like okay we are at a place where we know we can be here but i still have to eat right <laughs> so there's that yeah and if they don't have food and i have money but i can't buy food well that's not going to help me out and then if I do have to leave here, where am I going to stay if we end up in a situation? I mean, I, I was thinking like, dude, we're going to end up like, you know, what if these people, they can't keep us because they can't afford for us to be there. And then they ask us to leave, but then we can't leave this, you know, the county or something. Right. What do you do? I mean, you're literally, you're going to, now you are suddenly forced into a position of living on the street in your house. So now you're parking on what, like a, a street corner and hoping to not get hassled, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. It was scary. I mean, I won't lie. We were both like, this is, this is scary. Like, right. I don't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't stay here. This isn't the place to be, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. really feeling that, feeling that very intensely. And so we made a decision and within eight hours we had completely packed up and we, you know, had to, had to wish our hosts a, an abrupt farewell and, and they were bummed and we were bummed. But um, also, you know, I, I have family up here and my parents were not, they were, they were both ill at the time. And I didn't know, you know, what that meant. I didn't know if, if they had, you know, had the thing everyone else was getting or what was going on. And, you know, the, we were there were all of these kind of, you know, informing factors. And so we were like, we got to get out of here. So, yeah, we did. And it, in a 50 hour period, we drove for 30 hours. I drove because um, I do the driving and we we, we, we cracked out 1500 miles. So, yeah, Crazy. 
Yeah, we burned. Like we we stayed at a rest stop the first night. And then the next night we stayed at a Walmart and then the next, you know, afternoon, late afternoon, we got here. And so now, of course, we haven't been saying where we're at. I can say we're in northeastern Washington. Uh, we're near we're near Canada and near Idaho. But, uh, you know, we, we haven't specified where we're at. But we, we came up here to family property to, to quarantine and basically get away from the scarcities and the shortages and, and also poise ourselves to be protected, you know, as best as we can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, hoping for to find some work up here and, you know, being outside of a town that has a population of 1,700 as opposed to a quarter million, you know. Right. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so we, we boogied and we got up here and we uh, – we then, as you know, subsequently stepped into uh, having to haul our water for five <laughs> that, weeks. That was insane. I couldn't. You still. You posted that video of you. The, you know the the path doing the you, water. You path the path that you cleared from the snow, and then the the trek for one bucket or whatever you could carry. It. Right. And that was just like, oh my god, that's insane. That's like you're probably doing that all day, right? Yeah. Well, and I guess for people that don't, you know, that aren't aren't patrons and, and aren't, you know, close to me that didn't see that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so we got here, and like Chet said, there was a snowbank to just to get in the. I mean, we drove up at three thirty in the afternoon, and there was a four and a half foot tall snowbank that was like, I don't know, maybe fifteen feet long, like from the gate to the road. Right. So we just had to park on the side of the road, and I went down to the cabin and got out shovels, and we had to just literally chip our way through that in order to get off the road, just to get in, you know. Because there was a lot of snow, and right. then the lake was frozen solid, and the the water system wasn't winterized, so it was like go down, you know, two flights of stairs from the cabin to the beach, bust a hole in the ice, bucket that water, you know, up, pour, you know, distribute that into like an aquatainer and different buckets and you know water contain containers, and you got to figure, you know, it's I was I, I think when I did the math, we were we were bucketing thirty six gallons of water a day. And I think a gallon of water is eight and a half pounds, if I remember correctly. So you're carrying all of that. But then it's like that's not the end of the story because then you get all the water up there. But then you got to deal with it. So if you're going to if you're going to drink it now, you could drink the water out of this lake, but you wouldn't want to drink shore water out of the lake. You'd want water coming from 40 feet down or whatever. So you got to boil all of it to drink it. And then you got to do your laundry, you yeah. know, and, and so <laughs> and then shower like, and yeah. And so bathe. then like laundry became this thing where it was like the bathtub and then you'd put your however many bits of clothing in there that you, you felt like was going to be enough to fit on a drying rack. And then, you know, literally hand wash it all and then wring all the water out of it. And I mean, that process right there, I would have to boil four huge kettles of water to do that. And yeah. that's all water that I carried up. And then you got to wash it all, and then you got to squeeze it all out, and then you got to hang it all by a wood burning stove, which you've had to chop all the wood and cut all the wood in order to burn the stove, in order to dry the clothes, so that then you can boil water to take a shower and two and a half gallons of water out of a solar bag that you are pouring boiled water into. Right. And now you're drying with a towel that you just finished hand washing that hand dried by the wood burning stove that now you're going to have to wash again in the bathtub the next morning. It was like, yeah. it was just around the clock, you know, yeah, really yeah. a full-time job. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Wow. I pulled a little bad muscle in my back from doing it and it was all jacked up from, from, you know, doing that and, 
then we ran out of wood and and had to go and chop wood and yeah so it's, it was really it's been a, a very spartan existence uh, you know certainly puts into perspective what what many of our ancestors probably went through i'm sure way worse than what, I, what we oh yeah and that's and and you're doing it you know having traveled there in an rv instead of a horse and buggy yeah and, and we you have didn't electricity have... it's yeah. not like yeah. we're like, you know candles we like got like some lanterns around can you imagine can you imagine living i mean that just seems you know, that just seems like a crazy, uh, I, I, I can't even imagine living, living that lifestyle in the, you know, in the old West. And I know, well, and you know, and the irony of, of all of this is joy that joy and I had, you know, determined that the vision for our company, our company and, and ourselves was, you know, making a life. Uh, and now of course I won't have it memorized, but it's, uh, something to the effect of, you know, working for, uh, Making your to... life, making your life your work instead of working for your life, right. <laughs> and and inspiring others to do the same. And so the irony, of course, is is that it's like I had no idea that that's what that meant. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> working for my life, you know, that that would now entail like, okay, well, you're gonna haul every drip of water, and, you know. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not complaining. It was an awesome experience. It was hard. It was yeah. you know challenging, certainly, and you know, and I imagine probably more challenging in some ways for joy than for me. I mean, you know, not to sound like a sexist, but it's like, I think guys can put up with being dirtier longer, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> in so far as taking showers and stuff like that, you know, I mean, most, most women that I know prefer to get clean more often than men. And right. so I'm sure it was, you know, really not, not the most enjoyable experience, but she's awesome, dude. She didn't complain a single time. She's hauling water. She's boiling water, Yeah. you know, doing the whole thing. So, wow. Yeah. It was, it, you know, very much getting back to to nature and the earth you know, yeah, yeah. you're out here and then it's just beautiful I and mean, we're on the edge of a beautiful lake and there's oh my God. all kinds of wildlife so you know, beautiful. bald eagles and incredible geese and... yeah i couldn't believe you when yeah you, when you got there you posted those pictures of that lake and i was like i i always heard about you talking about this cabin but i had no idea that it was just like one of the most beautiful views ever you know yeah yeah it's it, it's unparalleled i mean mm-hmm. really i've there's nothing quite like it, and it's it's high altitude, so that's nice. You know, it's mm-hmm. way up here. We're at, we're we're just shy of three thousand feet, um, but yeah, you know, spring is just barely happening now, and so you know, the lake was frozen, so it's kind of fun to watch. Because I mean, I've come up here every year almost for the duration of my life, and and certainly less as I was older. But I've never been here for an extended period of time where I could really watch the process. I watched the entire lake melt. You know what I mean? Like. Right watched it break apart and then watched the ice fuse back together and then break apart again. And just, you know, really the, the changes uh, of nature and also feeling, I mean, during this crazy time, what a, what an amazing, peaceful place to be. You right, know? Yeah. We're living in a scary, scary time. And so to be out here and not have, be bombarded with all of that, but to just to be, look at the birds are doing what they do. They don't care about us and our stupid shit. You yeah. know what I mean? The fish are down there doing what they do and they don't care about it either. And yeah. They're so not stressed. Like, they're hmm, not stressing. No. And, <laughs> And and here where we're at, when you look where we're sitting, looking north, there is literally no humanity between here and Canada. So it's you're really that's why I call it the edge of the world. You know, you're looking at, you know, something that just goes on and on and on. And it does what it does all on its own. And it's not, you know, it's not interested really in what we're doing. And so there was it was it was very been very peaceful experiencing that because, you know, you go into town and even in a small town, you know, it's it's. 
people are scared. Everyone's wearing masks and gloves, including me. And people are shifty and not sure how to deal with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, the six, six foot apart lines taped on the floor and glass, you know, sh- plastic plexiglass shields going up everywhere. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's an interesting time to be alive for sure. And so that's an understatement. <laughs> you know, it's nice to be able to go once a week, get some food, come back here and then not have that. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'm not burying my head under the sand. I'm informed, but at the same time, I don't, I'm not going to put myself under, you know, undue horrors if I don't have to. I think like I, anybody. Is. Yeah, you you know me. What how, what a a, a a news news. I don't want to say news junkie, but because I wasn't that bad. But you know, I I I generally like to keep up on uh, the news. Um. Uh. You know, I remember talking to you about that many times, and and yeah. But I, I just was like, okay, I'm, I, I can't, I'm, I'm done with the news for a while now. This is, yeah. I can't deal with it. <laughs> it's just too much. Yep. Well, that's why. I mean, I, I'm so grateful for Joy because, <clears throat> I mean, really for the past five years, were it not for her, I probably wouldn't know anything. You know, right? Because she's, she is able to sift through the information and find valuable information, and it doesn't, doesn't cause her any undue, you know, stress. And then she fills me in and she filters all the garbage out. And so it helps me, you know, so I still know what's going on, but I don't have to necessarily subjugate myself to, you know, undue anxiety as a result. Because there's just so much garbage mixed in with the information, you know, so much salacious stuff. And, you know, it's it's really just this kind of campaign of fear and consumerism. So not a big fan. Never have been. Certainly not any more so now than I was before. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So we're, we've, you know, this is, I'm, I just, I couldn't feel more grateful for being able to, you know, be afforded an opportunity to have a, have this experience right now, because, you know, I'm just, again, I, I, there's so many people that are going through things that are horrible as a result of not being able to like leave a city, you Mm -hmm. know, and I just couldn't even imagine. I mean, really as a full-time RVer in some ways, yeah, it's, it sucks because they're making it hard on us to move around and have places to be, but we're also kind of, in a very well poised position to deal with this kind of stuff because we're used to minimalism. We're used to a a very, very basic lifestyle where there Mm -hmm. isn't a lot of stuff and we can always leave, you know, I mean, they can close major freeways and stuff, but you can always find your way around. It's not, you know, you can always get out and, and move if you need to. And so I'm, I'm, I consider myself very fortunate for, for being in this position. I I certainly didn't know that was going to happen, but, but even during the travels, I mean, honestly, over the past, year joy and i have talked numerous times numerous times before this happened and we were like you know someday people aren't going to be able to do this anymore and we this is a conversation we would have on the regular like someday we're going to tell stories about doing full-time rving and people will be like wow how amazing you could just move around freely anytime anywhere (laughs) you know now again maybe maybe we you know i i can't say i'm not i can't tell the future but maybe we'll be in a position where you know people will continue to build a full-time for the rest of their lives and and that's fine but it'll never be under the pretense of what the way we did it you'll never be able to go around with this you know kind of naive feeling of like i i can go anywhere and it doesn't matter who i talk to or what i touch or you know what i mean like right. i can go into any store anytime i want eat at any you know yeah. I mean, barring yeah. barring finances you know yeah so the terrain has changed you know i think indelibly it's, it's, it's a mark that's that's now there and so it's weird to see that happening so fast you know that it's like the this lifestyle we, we got this chance to experience this thing that 
it's never going to be experienced like that again, you know? Yeah. And I, and I'm jealous of people that have already been doing it for 20 years, you know, like, man, they really got a good deal. Didn't they? they got a, Cause it's a great lifestyle. It's amazing. I, you know, I wouldn't want to really wouldn't want to trade it if I can avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange that you chose to go full-time RV when you did, because it's like, you know, ever since you've, did things have just been slowly falling apart society's kind of been collapsing around us yeah yeah well it's kind of like you know for us it's like we've been we've our personal apocalypse has been one step ahead of the societal apocalypse like every step of the way you know so when 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 things go really haywire and difficult for us it's you know we're kind of experiencing that alone and it's scary and it's hard Mm -hmm. and then if you you know if, if you're able to to withstand that pressure and carry on then you grow from that and you look back and you're more tempered and galvanized for what might come. And so I, my heart really does. I I posted this before we left California. My heart really does go out to people that this is the first time that they've had to experience a situation where they couldn't, they had no idea where they were going to get their money from and they didn't know how they were going to pay to have a place to live. And they didn't know how they were going to be able to do those things. And I've had those experiences already. And so you know, I, again, I, I, I remember how horrible that was and how terrifying that was mm-hmm. and how it really just stopped me in my tracks. And so again, it's like, I, you know, I'm kind of, I feel a little bit ahead of the curve and I feel maybe even guilty at times about that, you know? Yeah. So, same here. I just was talking about this with, um, uh, Dave Sherman. I had him on a couple of weeks back with kind of his, mm-hmm. his quarantine tips from a therapist perspective. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, we talked about just how, you know, I've been feeling, you know, you have a sense of survivor's guilt in a way because yeah. my, particularly for me, because, um, I got those tool posters, which was like this, you know, huge, uh, bump in my finances for me. So, yeah. um, but also like, you know, you remember this probably, you remember that point where I have said, I had this realization like, okay. Everything works out. Everything always works out. You know, I've been I've been stressing every month, like losing sleep about not being able to pay. You know, where's the money going to come from this month? Mm-hmm. Living mm-hmm. as an artist, and um, just years and years and years of this. And every month it's the same. And every month I would manage to pull it together somehow, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't get thrown out in the street and lose everything. <laughs> yep. And so I I had this realization that you know if if you could just not worry about the future and, and you, you will get what you need because mm-hmm. that's how it's always worked. As long as you're putting some effort out there, you're going to get what you need to survive. That would almost be like being rich in a way because you're yeah. not, it's because what is wealth? Uh, it's that it's that you don't have to stress about bills basically for, I mean, that's how it would be for me. So yeah. it was like, so, so, I remember talking to you about this. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to stop worrying about it. I'm going to really make an effort to not worry mm-hmm. and just, you know, just do everything I normally do, but, but don't spend any time when I notice that I'm worrying about something about finances, I'm just going to stop. And so I, it took me like a year of that to where I was, I stopped worrying about the bills. Like I stopped worrying about it. I stopped worrying mm-hmm. about not having enough money and it was like, Oh, this can't be done. Okay. So, um, now that, and then, you know, a few years later, now that we're in this situation, 
it's like you know we've been living as as with most artists independent artists you know we're so used to living by the seat of our pants and just kind of making it work somehow that it, mm-hmm. it, it's not this huge or you know it wasn't this huge shock or change no it's not for, a big change for, for, for me you know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's sort yeah. of like uh, now everybody knows what it's like to live like an artist you know or at least a lot more do yeah a lot yeah more do, yeah for yeah. sure yeah. You know, I, I think you bring up a good point. And I think one thing to add to that is, is that and, and maybe even highlight because you said it is that you get what you need. Right. You know, you may not get what you want. Right. And I think that that right there is maybe kind of the, the you know, for people that are struggling with that notion that maybe hear that and they, they realize like intellectually, oh, yeah, I, I can see I can see where he's coming from with that. Mm. But they're not able to necessarily wrap their head around it entirely. It's probably because they need to adjust their expectations, you know, right. because I mean, for me, that's very true. That's what I found is, is that, you know, indeed, I can go I can I can maintain a pretty good track record of, of, you know, not worrying about it, but I have to accept that what I get is what I need and that that's enough. Right. You know, yeah. and that's, I think that's kind of the hurdle for a lot of people though, is that our, you know, our wants oftentimes masquerade as our needs mm-hmm. and it's hard to prioritize those things. And right. so then when you're not worrying, but then you're like, well, I'm not worrying and I'm still not getting what I need. It's like, well, you, you know, the reality is you may very well be getting what you need, yeah. but your expectations are for what you want and what you want is probably not exactly what you need. And that's, that's hard. That's not easy. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah that's not yeah. an easy path to tread, well, but I, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, but, but you, you know, the, the situation you've gone through to be able to say that with, uh, cause I know what you've been going through personally not personally but with with you know living this rv lifestyle i get all the inside scoop and you know i know that you know one day you didn't have enough money for food and you know like it's it was hairy and uh but for you to be able to say that is is kind of profound really you know it's like but it's but you're right you know because it's uh you're you're here you're you're on the show you're alive (laughs) you know and uh nothing's been able to stop you it's like as long as you sort of it seems like anyway if you if you keep trying you know and and just keep rolling with it you will you'll get what you need you know you know yeah. well and then maybe that's just the big thing for people to you know it's always good to self-check check back in with yourself and and i do this with myself all the time okay well you know do i i, I feel indignant because i'm not getting what i need and then it's like okay well what are your needs? You know, let's go back to, to Ma, you know, Maslow's law or whatever. You know what uh, I mean? Do you have food? Do you have shelter? <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the basic things. And, and so as you work your way up through those priorities or no, it's Maslow's hierarchy uh, of needs is what, what the actual thing is called. And, you know, they, again, it basically starts with, well, you need shelter and you need food, <laughs> you know, and right. then you start to t- pile those things up and you get to a certain point where, there, there are things in there that are no longer needs and you start to get up higher in that pyramid towards wants, you know, right. and you kind of got to like spot check yourself and be like, okay, well, you know, I may not be getting what I want and I have, and I, and it's okay to be at odds with that. You know, I'm, I'm oftentimes at odds with the fact that I'm not getting what I want, right. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but if I can at least recognize I'm getting what I need, then, you know, and oftentimes that's a retrospective thing. It's looking back, right. not forward and saying, oh, you know. 
at the time it seemed like I was really up shit creek without a paddle. But now I can look back on it and say, you know, actually I did get what I needed. Right. You know, at, the, at that time. Yeah, because you're, you know, you're here to live, to tell the tale and to make that analysis now, you know. But it's the fear of that uncertainty looking forward that really is, right. what, you know, the hitching point. That's kind of where that stopping point is. It's like, I don't know if I can continue in the face of this, you right, know. Right, right. What this perceived inequity that I'm experiencing. I don't I'm know if I can handle it. You know? Yeah, know, it's like, exactly. Exactly. You can handle it. You yep. can. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's wild. It's wild. And, you know, it's funny. This is actually the first time that I've ta- really talked with anybody about any of the the stuff, like, you know, the, the this this whole crazy world situation we're dealing with. I mean, you've seen I don't post about it. I don't, mm. you know, I'm not interested in, in taking part in it really on social media. I haven't typed the word, you know. Right. <laughs> and you notice I haven't said it in this conversation either. Um, you know, spelling is magic, so I don't necessarily need to spell it into existence any more than it already is um, for myself anyway. So it's it's been it's interesting to talk about it because I haven't really spent any time talking about it with anybody. Um, right. You know, my folk, my folks a little bit and joy, certainly tons. I mean, I, I that's that kind of goes out the window because, of course, her and I talk about that stuff all the time. Right. Um, and actually, I have a, I started writing a, a what a, a a not so sci-fi sci-fi uh, recently as a result of her and I's conversations. So um, it, I got super inspired, and and she asked me one day. I was like typing away on the computer, and she's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I'll, I'll read it to you when I'm done. I'll read it to you when I'm done." And she kept looking over, and what a story! Start- yeah, I, was, oh. I was started writing a new book. Yeah, oh, excellent. And I, clearly, I can't finish any any of my old books, but I'm more than willing to start a new one. Yeah, um, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, her and I have been talking and had these, these some really interesting ideas. So I started writing it, and and she's, what are you doing over there? You know, you look like you're really having a good time. But I started reading it to her, and she was like, oh my gosh, that's great. And it's it's really based in some of these 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 conversations she and I have been having about mm-hmm. all of this. And I can't say a lot about it. It's really in an infantile stage. But yeah, the the best way to describe it is a not so sci fi sci fi, and it definitely is dealing with what's going on now in the world, and and certainly based on you know some interesting reflections of what might go on in the future. And so I'm having a lot. I'm having fun writing it. It's uh, it's it's outside my my genre, but it's fun. yeah. Well, that's you know one thing I thought about you. Um, well, a couple things about you taking this RV life is that a you uh i'm wondering how how that has you know when we met you were you were a writer i mean you're still a writer but that was like your big thing you know you're really proficient at it and you were you you know you wanted to write uh movies and all kinds of and you had a bunch of stuff you had written and uh it's it, it seems like with this um more day-to-day survival lifestyle you're at now it seems like uh how have you been handling not being able to write really but then the other aspect of that that i was going to say is that you you've got to be getting so much um potential material out of this experience i keep telling you you know you got to write your you got to write your biography because this is gonna no one will believe this <laughs> this <laughs> i mean just so much so much material just if you just wrote it a novel is or you know a novelization of of your life since you started this it would be kind of yeah. incredible you know well it's kind of what i mean it's really in many ways what emails from infinity has kind of continued to be you know because when i wrote that book that was obviously you know 
kind of a retrospective. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, of things that I'd experienced that were crazy and bizarre firsthand and, and things that had, had lent to the shaping of my perception and my consciousness. And so I feel like, you know, in many ways, a lot of the content that I've been, you know, archiving through the process of doing the Patreons is ultimately the, the continuation mm. of emails from infinity. And, and really what I've been doing, and I know you, you've, you've, you know, listen to it is is working on doing podcast episodes that cover our full time RV travels, and those are based in the writings I've done from I've done for the Patreon, mm. and so, you know, and then I'm reading it obviously and and scoring it, putting music with it, and you know, releasing those. But that's that has been kind of my my muse is is mm. using the Patreon as a way to journal and and regularly create these travel logs with reflections as it's happening oh that's and cool then, so you're still fit you're still getting your your writing in. you're still able to oh, yeah. exercise that i never i didn't yeah. even think about that but that's so true because they are the posts are all very well written you know they're they're well thanks written like from a writer well, I kind of that's that, the idea between, you know, behind both the Patreons, whether it's the light side or the dark side, you know, whether it's emails from infinity or land of enchantment tours, the, either one of those is really a way for me to continue to write this stuff kind of in an unabridged and unedited format for people that are interested in all of it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then when you get to the stage of making a podcast episode or you get to the stage of writing a book. You're, you edit it down. You're not right. going to include everything. You know, you're only going to include the stuff that's pertinent to, to your narrative and, and things that are more interesting and, and stuff. So I think part of the fun, at least I hope it is, for and, and you know you could speak to that, of the, of the Patreons, is getting to have that behind-the-scenes experience and getting to kind of follow it real-time as right. it happens. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know? For sure. And so, yeah, I've been doing a lot of writing that way. But you're, you're right. I haven't done a whole lot of just – I, certainly, it's been mostly journalistic writing. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, that's been the vast majority, and I guess that makes sense. I made a documentary film about you. It's very journalistic. I like that kind of writing, but I haven't. You're right. Been able to kind of like flex my my creative writing muscles as much mm-hmm. as I might like, and and work in that fictional realm. And I love it. I mean, that's what I spent God twelve years of my life doing was writing fictional works. You know, right, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's been. It was really fun to kind of get that like lightning bolt of, of inspiration and be like, oh man, there's a there's a good book right here waiting to be written. You know, and then to start writing it and have the process happen that I've always found happen for myself when I do fictional work, which is that it's like a revealing. It's not even like. It's so weird. It's such a weird process. It does not feel like I'm making it up. It feels like I'm discovering it as right. I'm writing it. It's so fun and weird, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that's how painting is for you. Yeah, you know? definitely. But, like, I discovered this character, and his name is Jance Loot. Like, where the hell does that come from? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thing where, like, you're, like, you discover this character, and you're, like, crazy. Like, who's yeah. this guy? Where did yeah. he come from? Where did that fucking name come from? Like, you know what right. I mean? And so it's it really has been like ah oh, yeah I'm I'm excited to to do that and to work on that and living this lifestyle I mean living at the cabin you know with no running water obviously is a very different scenario than living full time RV when right. you live full time RV you really do have more time you just do you know you're not having to go commute to a job to do the job to make the money to then go and get the things you need and pay for the things you need in order to have a place you're at the place you're doing the thing at it's all in, it's all barter it's all right. packaged you know it's inherent and so you do have more time because you're not you know everything you do goes directly towards having a place to live and have water and internet electricity garbage sewer all that stuff so there's no intermediary and so it does free you up you do have more time and i right. do have more time for creativity 
And so what I put that into, of course, is kind of the big thing. And, and really, as you know, and I, I definitely am excited to talk about it, is New Mexico true horror. Now, I, I'll, I'll give a little caveat here. Um, New Mexico True Horror was was uh, you know a film that I was making as an episodic miniseries by way of the Patreon when I still lived in a stick and brick right yeah and I was I had this grand idea for this this piece that I wanted to do and I wanted to play myself in it and you know I had all these ideas and then then life took over and we sold our house and we went on the road and you know it, it kind of took off from there and so I still had this project that I had been working on. And I've been working on it through the Patreon, and so patrons had been following it and well, engaged in it. You, you also got, you know, you got, you also got to mention that life moved moved on as glossing over that it was more like you know life. You, your hard drive crashed. Yeah, I mean, you went through an extremely intense period of, uh, you know, the the tower card of the tarot would be yeah. a good way to describe it. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and, and it, the hard and the hard drive crashing being like probably one of the smaller of the catastrophic right. events that were going on. Yeah, the time. it was. It, it reminds. It reminded me a little bit of. Although you know, I don't think this is necessarily the case, but I did think about um, what's his name, that writer, magician dude. Um, oh come on, the guy who was who was writing the comic uh, comic about himself. He, he was. He modeled the character in the comic about himself, and he's he's also a magician, and he and he was, you know, writing stuff in the comic, and then it would happen to him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's yeah. that guy's name? The the sigil know, guy. You, oh right, yeah. You told me about that. I don't remember what his name is now. Grant, isn't it? Grant, Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was saying throughout. Uh, what the fuck was the book? Every, I mean, oh the. The Invisibles? Was it The Invisibles? I don't remember, but yeah, he was basically writing and then, you know, writing about how he, you know, his character got sick and went in the hospital and he got sick and went in the hospital. And right, His character right. met some well, and that's, yeah, girl that's and then he met this girl that looked exactly the same in real life and it was like he was manifesting kind of it was like his art was manifesting his reality and you know that's the first thing i thought of when you were like new mexico true horror yeah you're going through new mexico true horror right now it (laughs) seems like like and it was like it wasn't like you made a uh a movie called new mexico horror or you were like new mexico true horror (laughs) (laughs) and it truly became a horror you know, it's, it's, well, and, it's kind of and, and and the funny thing about that even is like the the title of it is kind of tongue in cheek because right. one of the advertising campaigns for the state of New Mexico is New Mexico True. That's like one of oh, their big wow. banners. It's like, oh, it's New Mexico True. So it's <laughs> actually like the title's kind of a joke a little bit, right. like New Mexico True Horror. You know, so there's mm-hmm. like, you know, me, I'm I'm all about the riddles and puzzles and you know, double entendres and all this shit. So well, plus I was, it was being clever. You know, here yeah. I am. <laughs> Plus, well, it's a horror film. Yeah, yeah, and plus, it was like you know, it, you're you're creating this like uh, like uh, like a found footage type film or, or whatever, almost like a you know a, a real. It's like a real story, but it's a 
I don't know what were you calling it fictionalized. Well, yeah. So what it? I mean, this is the the term I've dubbed for it. Now I've tagged this term, and no one else has ever tagged it. So it must oh, not be wow. something that's ever been heard of. But unscripted fiction is is what I what I dubbed it. Mm-hmm. And I like I said, I tagged that and it, like on Instagram, and there, I I was it. So wow, I was like, oh, amazing. this is interesting. No one's. I mean, not that no one's ever done that, right, but rather right. that it's not really been named. And right. and that was. I mean, I guess to kind of take it back to the notion of New Mexico true horror was that. What you know, I was going through a relatively not even relatively. That's 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 foolhardy. I was going through an apocalyptic time in my <laughs> yeah. life, a very apocalyptic time in my life for a lot of reasons, many of which I won't mention. Right. But that what I, I you know, at the same time, I come up with this idea for this horror film. And I really you know that it was intentional. I was like, you know, maybe a way to handle some of the horror in my life, this true horror that I'm going through is to channel that into something creative, which is something I've done my whole life, which mm-hmm. I think is what's great about dark art in general, is yeah. the ability to vanquish our demons by road of, of channeling them into something productive as, as opposed to destructive. So I was like, okay, well, I've never acted. I know generally what the, the plot line is, but I'm not going to sit here and try to script it and like read the lines because I'll fail. I'm not an actor. Right. I was like, maybe what I can do is take moments where I'm emotionally distraught and then pick my phone camera up and just launch myself into one of these these moments in the film and channel the the true feelings that I'm having emotionally into that expression but do it in an unscripted format you right. know and recognizing again that it is a fictional piece but also that I was playing with the fine line between you know and like you said with the kind of the found footage aspect and things I wanted to play with the idea for patrons really more than anybody of you decide what you think is real or not, right? So as you're watching it, you get to have this kind of this awakening of like, maybe this is all real, or maybe it's all not real, or maybe part of it's real, and maybe part of it's fake, and maybe they wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the two, and that that would be like a fun experience. Because like for me, I'm always trying to do what would be fun for me, and if someone did that, I'd be like, that's that's fun. Like, I don't know, I don't get to know, I gotta figure it out, you know? And so that, you know, the whole notion and really it was, you know, I what I the idea of the film was a mashup. It was to take like five different horror devices that have been used successfully and mash them all up together, you know, into one piece. Right. So that there are all these different and, and there were also like ideas that I had. That hey, were can, short. can you can you your mic kind of keeps like seems like it's going far away and then coming back. Oh, bummer. So if you can, I mean, it's not that bad, but it's, it's probably because I'm moving my hands because you know how I am. I gesticulate yeah. <laughs> when I talk. So. Okay. Um, Sound good. So, you know, I also, I really wanted to. Wait, now, now you're sounding far away again. I haven't moved it. It's just right okay. here. You sound good now. Okay. okay. Do I sound okay? Stay like that. <laughs> just Please. don't move. Don't move. <laughs> Do not move. Yeah. So I wanted to create an interactive experience ultimately where people would be able to watch this episodic miniseries occur and engage in it and then also that there would be built into it there would be a bunch of evidence there would be a bunch of little rabbit holes for people to go down that would lead to peripheral platforms with additional information that they could then make their determinations about the legitimacy of each part of this film you know and i really wanted to create an interactive experience but also in such a fashion that once the film was done people could still go back and go through that experience. That's the beauty of Patreon, right? Is anyone can go in and be a join anytime and then go back through all the mm-hmm. old material. So there's this archived experience that's been going on for years that anyone could go and join at any time 
and go down any one of those rabbit holes and kind of because there is real stuff that goes on in the film right. as you well yeah, know yeah, you yeah. know there are I absolutely include a, a significant amount of legitimate occurrences right, right. Um, and and and, and the way that I mean I I've seen the I don't know I don't think it's a secret but you, you, I can, you, you I can edit the it rough out. Cut. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a like what was it thirty? What, what, how, or how long was it? Yeah, you watched the rough cut of the first thirty minutes. Yeah, and right now it's like I and and at the time even then it was eight, it's eighty three minutes long at the moment. I just I had the first thirty rough cut to a point where I was like ah, I think I want to get some feedback from from Chet and some other folks. Right, but but but, but um, I, I really uh, I, the the um, you know like the there's a scene where your hard drive dies after your hard drive dies. And yeah. it's like the emotion is, it's interesting how you use that because it's like totally real. Cause it, cause it is real, yeah. you know, but you're still kind of like, you're playing yourself in this movie, but the real thing happened and that's part of the story in your movie. And you're using the emotion f- from, you know, having your whole, all of your life's work just gone in a second. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like such an interesting idea to to do that as an artist but it's also uh it really works well for the 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 film you know well thank you yeah and and you didn't uh, you also got to mention it's all done on a phone that's that's the other crazy part (laughs) yeah so the big and and that's and that's funny too because what i wanted to do was you know when i was in college going to film school we would do these what we called in-camera editing competitions and basically you would make up a film but instead of editing it offboard on a computer, you would use internal editing components on the camera. And so you would actually be editing it as you were going along. While and you then were filming? You would, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So onboard, and all the transitions were between clips you were shooting. So you had to shoot it like in sequential order. Right. And, That's you know, how I used and to make really, my movies when I was a kid before I, yeah, before yeah, I learned editing. Eight, right? Yeah, right? Yep. Yeah, so it's like it was really a fun process, and I kind of wanted to do something like an homage to that. And I was like, you know, how cool would it be to shoot the entire film on a phone because that's what's available and because it has a feel to it. Right. And it's, you know, you can record things that are occurring, you know, in a way where you're not going to disrupt what's occurring because everyone has a phone out recording. If you bust a big camera out and throw it on your shoulder, everything changes, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was like, how interesting would it be to film the whole movie on a phone and then edit the whole movie in phone. Now, the editing it in phone part was really pretty fascinating because I, co- I came to that conclusion before my hard drive crashed. So then my hard drive crashes, and now I have no choice. I can't do anything other than edit it in the phone because I don't have any editing right. software anymore. So like you said, that was that. was there's a lot of examples of this weird, like, did I make this happen? Yeah. Did I, you know, or, or, or did I know it was coming? Yeah, or, right. you know, it's weird. It's, it's, totally it's very cosmic. Weird. Yeah. Totally and then weird. I decided, you know, as I was doing the podcast episodes, I, for the full-time RV, I started having to learn how to do garage band in phone. Cause I used to use it for scoring on the computer. Mm. I thought, you know, I'm going to do this whole movie in the phone, man. I'm going to score it in phone. I'm going to edit it in phone. I'm going to shoot it in phone. Mm. I'm going to do post. I'm going to do You know, effects, everything. I'm going to do it all with software that anyone could do on their phone. And obviously it's going to lend to that, 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 that documentary feel mm-hmm. inevitably, you know? Um, but then it's so weird because then as, as life went on, it's like in the movie, I'm basically experiencing, like, I, I guess you'd call maybe a haunting or something, but it's hard to tell exactly what I'm experiencing. Right. My computer gets hacked. Someone leaves a weird organ on my counter with a USB drive in it. There's this found footage there's this weird, you know, the the night, what I call the night phantom, where I, I you know, chase this thing out in the woods mm-hmm. and shoot it. Yeah, so there's all these creepy. things that going on. 
and and it's but then we decide to sell our house because we needed to or otherwise we wouldn't have been able to keep it and then we go full time on the road and it couldn't have played any better into the movie right because it was like we're running away from this thing that's right. trying to get us that's yeah, in New Mexico yeah you know? yeah yeah and then what's weird is what you haven't seen is it kind of it basically turns into a road movie and from that point forward uh, the vast majority of what's in the film is actually real stuff that happened. Right. And so it kind of takes this weird shift where it was like I was using fiction and then life started to inform it. And then at a given point in time, organically, all that was informing it was life. Right. I was just documenting our full-time RV travels and in inevitably documenting, you know, the, the, the light side for the light side people. And then the dark side, cause you're going to, you know, you've seen it plenty of dark things that happened along the road. Yeah. Um, and then documenting that for the dark side. And so it's just really, it's been, and then editing it now, because I've been working on this post-production process for three months, editing in phone, which is quite a task, I have to tell I you. I bet, man. Um, and, but it's fun, because it's like necessity. It's challenging. You don't, yeah. you know, you, you got to work a workaround. Like, how do I do this when I can't do that? Right. How can I still make it engaging? It's fun. I like it. It's problem solving. But it's also like the whole thing is fun because it's like a riddle and it's a puzzle. And I've really built the whole thing to be a riddle and a puzzle. Right. And so I want people, not only the patrons that are able to experience the platform and go down all the little evidentiary rabbit holes, but the people that are watching the movie, I want them along for the ride. And I want them to be having this kind of like, God, is this real or isn't this? Is there a moment where they lose that suspension of disbelief entirely, you know? And... And to be able to incorporate in the things that are occurring and edit them in phone, it all just, it, you know, it's, it's been this really fascinating process and watching it like I couldn't have made up these things more perfectly to fit the pre-existing right, plot line. Right. Like, you know, it's just fascinating. And so now I'm, you know, I'm really excited, of course, as you know, like I, I can't even barely keep it in to finish making the film, of course, for the patrons first and foremost, but because I think that it's a, it's a pretty a pretty unique project, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I've never heard of anything like it. Yeah, no, not I haven't either. I, I, uh, I just, I mean, I wanted to. Uh, I was bummed that it stopped when it did because I wanted to see what was going to happen next. So that's oh, like you mean a, the, the rough cut. Yeah, the rough cut. So that's yeah, a good yeah. sign because it was like I, I wasn't thinking. Um, you know, by the time I got to the end, I wasn't thinking, oh, this is Mike, Mike's film. I'm, you know, going to offer some critiques. It was more like, oh, I want to know what happens next. You know, you stopped. Oh, he left me hanging. <laughs> yeah, I left you at departure. I mean, day. I'm dying to know. I, I really want to see the rest of it. So, so. Uh, well, yeah. and you know, I was, I, I was, like... I, I honestly, I, I mean, it's such a crazy idea. Um, I was honestly like really impressed. Like I, I didn't, uh, I, I, I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was so oh, I, just you. because it's such a you know you don't really have a reference point for it no to where you no, can point it's, it's like this or it's like that it was like huh that could work and be amazing or maybe not <laughs> then, yeah yeah and then uh, uh, uh then i watched it i was like oh shit this is this is intriguing and, and what's cool too is i think knowing the backstory of how you made it kind of it's not like uh it adds to it, you know, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not like, uh, get, cause when you started, it was kind of like, you know, you were a little more, um, like secretive about it. And it was kind of like, you, you didn't want to let people in on how it was being made. And yeah, yeah, you're really playing more to the, you know, is it true or is it not true? Yeah. But now the way it's developed, knowing 
knowing, knowing the backstory adds to it, which is, which is another element to the whole thing, which is really interesting. You know what I mean? Like, well, and you motivated me to do that. I mean, you were the number one proponent of me, of me. You were like, I think it's just, it it would be great. Even if people knew, you know, and what I found is I think maybe it's more interesting. Uh, Yeah. And the reason it's more interesting is because there are real things and there aren't I know, real things. Right, and so right. you don't really, you really don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not, exactly. Know? Cause it's like, if you probably pass it off as like, well, maybe it's the whole thing's real or not, you know, you're, it's, it's like a black or white thing. But when p- people, when you know that some is, some is real and some is not, and you're totally kind of open about the whole process, not only does that involve people who are watching along on the Patreon, you're engaging them. Um, you're also that's then then they really have an opportunity to go okay is that tr- is that part real or is that part real because right you know if if you say here's my movie I, I'm not going to tell you if it's real or not it's like <laughs> you know people are so there's going to be a certain segment of people are be like oh first you know the first weird thing happens oh that's not obviously the whole thing's not real yeah, you know what I mean yeah. whereas yeah, yeah. It, whereas if the weird thing first weird thing happens. Now it's like, oh, okay, well, that's probably not real, but let's see what the next thing is. And then, you know, it's definitely very, it's like an interactive thing. It's very much, I don't know, it feels like it um, intera- it uh, involves the, the audience, you know. Well, and that's what I really wanted. I mean, that was really how it all started. I may not have known exactly how to achieve that, but that's what I wanted right. was in, an experiential thing. I, yeah, you know, totally. I mean, everybody can go and watch a movie for an hour and a half or two right. hours and have a good conversation about it. But, you know, you don't always get an opportunity to have this full-blown experience. And it's really this kind of like a a medicine wheel because everyone around it's going to come away with a different reflection. And as they're watching, like you haven't seen this yet, but as they're watching the content that's all really just road footage – you know, you know how I am when I talk to the camera, I just talk to it like I'm talking to a friend. And yeah. so it's very comfortable for me to do. And so I think it's very disarming. And there's a lot of content in there where I'm just doing that. And so I think as it goes on, it's going to be you know, as you're watching it, it's more and more difficult to determine what's real and what's not real. Right. Because right. a lot of it is real. Right. And so <laughs> it's like, well, is he faking it or isn't he? Yeah and, the, yeah. and again, it's hard to know if I'm faking it because almost every single shot that I've done with myself, I've done under duress. I know. I mean, I've, I've it, taken myself I in know. a situation where I'm about to cry. And I'm I know. Like, okay, was... turn on the camera. Go. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, it's intense. That one, the, the part where you're walking up the arroyo <clears throat> yeah yeah that's like so you can just feel the you can feel the pain <laughs> yeah i was feeling it that's yeah, for sure you, <laughs> you can know? tell man it was like well oh, and, it's, and it's been so cool to go back through all this because it's all on my phone i mean not all of it that's not true you know that i had to reformulate the stuff i lost right. from the hard drive and right. i did and that's the other thing that's funny about the story is like I really did release the first episode of the miniseries and a week, not even a week, days later, my computer crashed and I did really lose a bunch of content that was supposed to be in the movie. Right. And I really was devastated. I was like, oh my God. I know. Are you fucking kidding me? So, you know, I'm recording myself reacting to that. It's totally legit. You know, (laughs) like. I'm like, oh, my God, you fucking kidding me? Like, you know, and then it was really feeling real. Like, I really have spelled into existence this horrible New Mexico true horror. You know what I mean? So now I don't even have the content I promised people that I've been telling them about, which now actually makes me look like I'm lying because I can't show them the footage. Mm-hmm. But I really did lose it. Like, ah! right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, Go ahead. It, it, no, it just se- it definitely seems like, you, you know, this whole project – you've been uh, tuned into something 
you know, like yeah. that weird cosmic thing. Yeah. Even though it's not, hasn't always been pleasant. It's still kind of got that feeling of you're on some, you're on a path and it's kind of leading you on. At least it seems like a way from the outside pers- well, perspective let's, from let's, what I know. Let's put it this way. I, I must believe that because I haven't finished shooting the film yet. So mm. I must believe that there's something else that's going to happen. That's going to inform right. it because the final scene is not in the can. So I'm not, that's the beauty of this yeah, process yeah, of yeah. getting to follow it is, is that it really is just happening. And I really am making decisions based on where I'm at and what, what's happening there at the place I'm at. And I'm, I'm moving a lot, obviously. Right. And so, you know, it's, I, I think it's exciting because the ending is not predestined. I, right. I'm not entirely sure how it's going to end. Right. Either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and obviously now we're headed into this. We've got this whole situation, this pandemic thing going on. That's what like, I was going mean, that- That's what I was saying. I, I was thinking. I was going to ask you. Is like I wonder if you're going to. I, I or just thinking to myself. I wonder if he's going to incorporate. I mean, there are, there are uh, inherent. Uh, there's inherent production value in what's going on right now. If yeah, you, exactly. if you, if you wanted it, you know, like you could go and get shots of people with masks and just other weird stuff that, that, you know, or you could incorporate the pandemic itself yep. or, or yep. It, you could, you could like make it into like, it's something else that's going on or, or you know, or, or just, fuck who knows, maybe the movie will d- decide for me. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And, that's that, usually, and that's part of the excitement too. Yeah. That's, the, that's usually the way, um, you know, good movies and good art goes as it kind of starts writing itself. Yeah. Um, so here, I'm, I'm excited because I'm going to, re- I mean, I'm going to release the feature to patrons, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm excited about releasing the feature to patrons because they've been along for the ride the whole time. And they're going to, and actually, as you know, I, I released the, that first 30 minute rough cut to patrons already. Right. So then they get the experience of not only seeing this rough, this, you know, just a preamble basically to the feature, but then they get to see the next version when it's changed even more, mm-hmm. you know? And so yeah. they get to actually yeah. follow now, not only the production, but now the post-production and that editing process, you know, and I'm still throwing out new, new information and screenshots and tidbits of information. And I mean, even something, you know, a, a, one of the really interesting things, and you know, this is that you know, there's a there's a thing called the tone when you when you see the the found footage segments that are off that USB drive, you know, those found footage segments have a consistent audio track. Mm-hmm. To them. Yeah. And I ended up calling that the tone. Right. And that is, you know, th- there's a lot behind that. And one of the things that's behind that is that weird message that I got from Wells Fargo. Right. Remember that? <laughs> totally. Dude? Yeah. It was like that. And I mean, I don't even, I, I can't even go all the way yeah, into yeah, it. But yeah. You'll have to, you know, you'll have to watch it and, and listen and, and you'll catch what I'm talking about. But the, the tone is a very mysterious aspect in this film and it continues to evolve and actually very recently something new happened in the film that pertains to it and it's a major development now i know patrons aren't aware of this yet because i got to dole it out piece by piece but there there's a big development insofar as that's concerned and and it really informs kind of almost uh, reverse informs what you've already experienced because more evidence comes out and so 
yeah, it's really, I mean, again, I, I'm needless to say excited about it and having a really fun time doing it and incredibly thankful for my patrons being interested and wanting to follow along and do it. Cause I mean, again, if you don't have an audience, it's right. hard to want to continue necessarily, especially with a visual form. I mean, if you're writing a book, okay. Right. But if you're making a movie, you don't want people to watch it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so what's your, do you have like a, uh, a production schedule? Because it's like I'm kind of wanting to, you know, I'm, wonder, up, I'm wondering for myself. It's like, when do I finally get to see see this thing? You know, you, how long are you going to leave me hanging, basically? Yeah, I'm right. you. <laughs> well, I guess I don't know what the ending is yet. So that's a, that that really is a good question. I guess when it whenever it uh, coalesces is, is going to be. My plan, you know? I mean, I'd, I would really like to see post done by by september i would really like it to be done by then right um and and mainly just because you know again everyone's waiting for it and and i i get so excited i start like being like it's almost done and yeah I'm like, ah, fuck it's not yeah tell me done. about it it's like the dystopia <laughs> book totally <laughs> But I mean, at least it's, you know, again, it's it's a process that people can engage in. And and right now, I mean, man, everyone's stuck up in their houses. So it's like I'm right. hoping that at least people can not only can they watch these clips, but there's a lot of content to go back and dive into. And if you want to go down some deep, dark, weird rabbit hole, holes like, you know, perfect matches in Hellnet and all that yeah, kind of right. stuff uh, as, a, as a very vague reference to something in the film, um, you know, there, there's a lot of that and, and it's built that way. And I want it to be a riddle and a puzzle because I love that kind of stuff. I right. love it more than anything. It's, you know, it, it, it should be that way. And so I'm excited and, and hoping that people want to, you know, take the ride. And, it, and if you do, obviously for a buck, you can get on board and for a buck, you can watch the feature when it's done. Cause I'm going to give it to every paying patron when it's done. I don't care what tier you're at. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, I'm sure Chet will put a link in, but for, for people that are listening and, and they're receptive to audio sounds uh, in regard to links, it's it's patreon.com, like all of them, and it's forward slash emails from infinity. And that's just, you know, one continuous, uh, continuous sentence. And you can join and check it out and dig in. And, and I hope it's just a really rewarding experience for everyone else. It certainly has been for me. And if you don't like that kind of thing and you're listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, that would be weird. But <laughs> um, you, or if you also like light things, you what? can also check out the light side. Right. Which is right. the same thing. Patreon.com forward slash. And it's Land of Enchantment Tours. And and that's, you know, inevitably, I there's nothing really dark on there. It's just there's more content on there because I encounter nicer things than I do darker things, truthfully, <laughs> on the road. I I've, you know, you see them, you follow them both. And I got a lot of people that follow them both. They like both of them. Um, yeah. But there are also people that don't want the dark stuff, you know, or right. people that don't want the light stuff for that matter. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. No, I, I think they're both interesting. But I mean, as far as value for a dollar a month, you can't really beat, um, you know, New Mexico True Horror Project. And, you know, if you think about well, it, thanks. it's like it's, it's really, really uh, affordable. So yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm into it. Well, I've been having a good time with it and, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that has, I've been afforded again, is this opportunity to be able to take time to be creative like that, that I wouldn't have had before. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And what? so there's always a, a push and pull to that. I, I want to throw you the link too to the three minute teaser that you can put in the description. Cause there is a three minute teaser to New oh, Mexico okay. true horror that can kind of whet everyone's appetite. And it's got a, it's got great stuff in it. I I know you've seen it a yeah, handful yeah. of times. So yeah. it's it's I think that it'll uh, click on the link and at least watch the three minutes yeah. and and go from there. Definitely. Now, one thing to consider that I just thought of is, you know, 
you might want to consider when you when you're ending the thing uh you want you might want to consider how it could possibly be taken forward because i was like thinking wow that would be kind of cool if it just kept going and you were like like a night like the night stalker where it's like you just like (laughs) a guy that every 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 movie you make has more weird shit happening to you in your life and it's like (laughs) you know uh could be could be um north carolina true horror or uh uh yeah, right. You know, or uh, Louisiana true horror, or Florida true horror, or, you know, <laughs> yep, yep, based on true. where your travels take you. Yeah, I'm curious to see where it's. I mean, because you know the the interesting thing is is that originally that Patreon started as a way for me to afford producing the podcast version of my book Emails from mm-hmm. Infinity, right? Which is why it's Patreon.com forward slash right. Emails from Infinity is because I had written a book. And, you know, autobiographical in nature, but but also kind of an inspirational book. And you loved it. And you don't really read. You listen to things while you well, watch, I, while you, you know. while you paint, yes. you know, I mean, not, you the, read. not that I don't you, read. I love that's to not, read. That's I just don't fair. have the time. Yeah, to read you, nowadays. You're <laughs> I knew you would. I knew you would listen to it. And I knew that my other yeah, artists right, would right. listen to it. Yep. So I did the Patreon in order to be able to pay for the time and energy it would take in order to produce it as a as a feature podcast. And of course, they got all kinds of tidbits, behind the scenes stuff. So it's interesting because it's autobiographical. And then I evolved it into New Mexico True Horror, yeah, right? I right. Kind of transmuted it into that. And so I can't see it ending at the end of the feature film, right? right? Because it, it it was it was going before it even became New Mexico True Horror. Yeah, so that's what I was. Who knows thinking. what? It's like a living entity. Who yeah, knows what it's going to yeah. turn into? Imagine, <laughs> imagine that's such a. I mean, even that's an interesting idea. Imagine a movie that. Or, or a project, a film project that that just goes on and on and on and on and on, you know? Right, right. Well, and I'd like to, I mean, if I, you know, the more people I get on there, the more interactive I have the opportunity to make it because I can get more people engaged in feedback because right. there's always opportunities for feedback, you know? Yeah, that that's um, a cool aspect to it as well as, you know, just being able to, um, you know, give give suggestions, Mm-hmm. You know, not that you necessarily would take every one, but it's an opportunity to 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 maybe help shape the thing to some degree. Yeah. You know, as a yeah, fan. exactly. Yeah. Well, then you know, and I've told you kind of my overarching concept, and I, I mean, I won't go into detail, but I have really grand plans for what it could be and could you know as a feature um, when it goes to print, and and I have some really great ideas of where to take it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's just a matter of of getting it, of course, finished. Um, but also getting people interested in it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, nowadays, especially nowadays, the internet is just so flooded in content. It's very hard to differentiate, you know, right. between what's useful to put your time into and what's not, but people do have more time than ever to mess around online. So that's true. <laughs> you know? That's true. Wow. Well, that sounds exciting. Um, yeah, I encourage everyone to go and, and sign up on your Patreons at, at least at the, at, at the, you know the dollar levels at least because it's you know it's it's that's it's just so cheap yeah you know it's just well, like i'm always doing i you know how i am i do the same thing every time it's like you know i say oh well the one dollar people only get written stuff but then they end up with images and you know the three dollar yeah, yeah, people exactly. are only supposed to get images and then they end up with videos and then the six dollar people are only supposed <laughs> to have videos then they get discounts on on artwork right, and, you know right. so i can't help it i'm always kind of bumping the tears up and down to try to make it make it good for people and and make yeah. it fun, and also I'm I'm willing to take feedback on the structure of the Patreon. Right, None of those exactly. things that's are immutable, gonna, man. They all evolve. That's what I was gonna say. Is um uh that that just just uh, being involved in in 
Patreon is still pretty a pretty new platform, so it um, is. you know, it, and, and you could constantly change it. That's why you know I keep encouraging everybody to get on there if you're an yeah. artist and you have something to offer because it's really, um, uh, it's exciting to be able to make it some. You know, you you can make it something that's never existed before. Yeah, you yeah. know, by there's it so many a- when you realize the potential. There comes a moment, I don't know, I'm sure for you it was like this too, when you realize you could do you could you could do something that's never been done in the history of the world through that Patreon. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's there's the, the there's so many uh, options that once you really consider it, it's like it's so exciting. You yeah, know? it's a blank slate. Yeah. It's like totally a tabula rasa. And mm-hmm. you can do anything. You can structure it however you want to structure it. You can change it. You can yeah, it's I think it's just one of the most amazing things since sliced bread, of course. Yeah. And, and that's, and you know, that's not because it's lucrative per se, but rather because it's, it's fun and interactive mm-hmm. and also it's like a pay to play deal. So it's like, you don't deal with any of the nonsense and the bullshit yep. because people are paying to be there, you know? And yeah. so it's a much more fulfilling and rewarding experience. I mean, once people, I think, jump the curve of realizing that you can be, uh, you know, on Patreon, you could be following Patre- Patreon's, that you're not paying for at all and still see their public post. Mm-hmm. And really your news feed on there is not in any way dissimilar from a news feed on Instagram or Facebook or any other platform. Yeah, except without it's all the bullshit. You've, <laughs> yeah, you've specifically chosen exactly what you want to see and everyone else has too. So it's already agreed upon. Everyone already has that in common. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, shit, the Patreons themselves are art projects unto themselves. Exactly. You know, the that's, structure of That's it. what I'm saying. It's like they, they, you really could structure it. I mean, the, the thing is, it's like in 10 years, you know, there's going to be these different amazing Patreons that no one's thought of. And yep. they're, they're going to be like, oh, wow, I, could, I never imagined something like that would be possible. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, you know? and again, I have some – I've got – I. I, I can't unveil everything about New Mexico true horror right now, but I can speak to the patrons that are listening to this and those who may be prospective patrons. There are going to be some really interesting surprises that are still in store for everybody, and they're they're outlandish. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> so, so if you want to engage in that kind of thing, I'm I'm here to serve the meal. So you know, give it a try because there I, I really do. I've I'm kind of I've thought about as far outside the box as I can, and I, you know I'm mobile, so I can move right. around. So there are ways I can do things. Well, that's I mean <laughs> that's kind of was my point at the the about the dollar thing. It's like, what do you got to lose to join and check it out for a month for at a yeah. buck? You know what it's I mean? A buck. It's like you could do that for a month just to just to try it out, see if it's something you're interested in. Yeah, you know? totally. that's that's totally. that's like you know, kind of why I put my dollar um, tear up is just just so people could try it out, you know, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're not making yeah. a lot of money from dollar patrons or anything. So it's like, it's more like just to a way for, to get people in and um, to see if they're interested. Well, and I think again, I mean, just to, you know, to nail your point down a little bit insofar as motivating other people to, to create their own, it doesn't cost you anything other than your time. It's not like right. it's a, a platform you have to pay to have a subscription to. It's not a big cartel page. You know what I mean? It's well, not a, a Vimeo page that you're hosting your videos on. It doesn't cost you anything 
to run it. And so, you know, whether you make anything off of it or not is relatively inconsequential. It's an opportunity to right. archive what you're doing yeah. for people, people that may not see it for five years even. Who cares? Right, you know right. What I mean, I mean that, I, the, the thing that I, that I see the most often are that people just think, oh, I can make, you know, I can make some money here doing my own art, which is, of course, what's what everybody wants. But um, they they create a Patreon, and as as we all know, because Patreon says they're not a discovery platform, you have to nope. bring people to it, which is yep. the hard part, and it is yep. not easy. But um, it's not impossible. Um, so so you know, a lot of people I've seen really great Patreon pages start and then they just they don't get the results in a week or a month or even in a year or two years yeah. for that matter <laughs> and it, and it's like they just kind of stop but mm -hmm. you know the thing is if you keep uh, for anybody who wants to create their own profile keep updating it value the even if you only have a handful of subscribers you know keep presenting content to them and eventually more and more people will find out if you keep promoting it and then yep. when the, when you do get these new people to come on, you're going to have just a shitload of content for people to yep. go through and go way back. It's so, such a value. I mean, yeah, like you said, like yeah. to join in and then have access to content that goes back for like years right. for just a yeah. buck or three bucks. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah, it's great. So uh, anybody that's doing it, I encourage you to, um, you know, stick with it. And, and... Well, and I'll say I, I foresee that it is becoming a discovery platform. And the reason I say that is because it wasn't that long ago. It's only been about six months that they decided to allow us to have 50 tags per post. Mm. That's not arbitrary. That's not a decision that they made because they're not heading towards becoming a discovery page. Right. Why else would you allow someone to suddenly start tagging 50 things when you could only do, what, 10 before? Right. And so now – Here's the interesting fact about that, and I think this would be useful for people that are interested in search engine optimization just as a tidbit, since obviously I do a lot of consultation for that. Insofar as that platform is concerned, I foresee – and again, I could be wrong, but I foresee that if you do a public post on that page like you're supposed to, like they suggest that you do, which mind you, I don't do public posts as often as I should. Yeah, but if you do that. them – if you do even one, if you do one a month and you tag – 50 different tags in there that is feeding a search engine that is creating a database That's that true. exists within within patreon they wouldn't be doing it for any other reason and so at some point in time that search engine is going to provide search results right. for your patreon and and the sooner i mean you, I, I well, wish I would have been on. One this second. is. <laughs> I wish. I wish I would have been on the YouTube bandwagon in two thousand. I know. And the reason is because they started tagging those things and they made them proprietary to themselves. And now you can't get in the door. Right. Now is the time on Patreon to be tagging the things that affiliate with what you're doing, right. so you can land yourself in those categories with the expectation that down the line somewhere that will be a thing because yeah. it will. Yeah. And that, that's, that's kind of one thing point I wanted to make too, is I remember get my, when my friends, a couple friends of mine were on Instagram and I was like, what the fuck is this Instagram thing? And, um, and I was resistant for years. I didn't go on for years. And, um, uh, I, I, I just kept, you know, now I'm like, Oh, if I only would have gotten on, you know, when I first saw first saw Instagram, I probably have like twice as many followers on there that I have now. 
And yep. s- same with Instagram. Our Patreon took me like a year before I finally clicked and like, oh, duh, this is this is great. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I just I, 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 you know, I should be getting paid by them because I'm. I know you and I are always constantly promoting them. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, we're not speaking anything that's not the truth. And yeah. and and those those platforms, they really that when I I mean now, granted, what we want is someone to go on Google, and we don't want them to type our name to find us. We want people to find us through search categories that are related, that are broad enough that they would find us through them. You know, so like if for you, you would hope that someone would type "dark art" in, and that Chet Zar would come up, right? right? And the way that happens is, as we all know, through populating these, you know, these tags that then pair our name or our proprietary ba- brand with a specific with a specific search category. So the thing is, is that when you're dealing with Patreon and and search categories, if I type my name into Google right now, if I type in Mike Carell artist, for instance, mm-hmm. one of the first hits I'm going to get on the front page is for my Patreon page. Mm. Now, granted, that's not helping people find me or helping people necessarily find my Patreon unless they already know who I am. But what that tells you is that the information, the metadata that's in my Patreon, the title, the keywords I'm choosing, the tags I'm using are providing information to Google. It is trolling that information. It is feeding the beast. It absolutely, just like every other platform, and the more and more we move towards those public posts and the more and more those tags are used, the more brand affiliation you can create. So you will be more discoverable in the long term as it becomes a search. And right. even if it doesn't become a discovery platform because it's feeding Google. So, at the, you know so I mean? at the very least, if you're an artist or if you think you might maybe in the future want to have a Patreon, just start the damn thing now. Do one post a month that's public yeah. and uh, fill it with keywords I mean, at the very least, and then just totally. do that once a month. And then yeah, by, the t- by the time you're maybe ready or you have a bigger following that you, you're going to start f- pushing over there, you, you might not even have any followers on there. But, yep. you know, if you just keep doing that, you're, you know, you're kind of building your future potentially. So, Well, and use other pages as, as information. Look at what other people are doing. Get creative. Uh, yeah. Get That's inspired. Do, yeah. You know, yeah. See, like, okay, well, what works for other people? Yep. And you know, it, don't don't work in a vacuum. There's plenty of information to draw from. Yeah. And of course, you know, we, you and I are always both doing this. We're always like promoting everybody. Like, do your best. Try it all. You right. will win. You know. <laughs> so we're still doing the same thing we were doing when I used to host the show with right. you. But <laughs> nevertheless, it's the truth. You know. Yep. Yeah, I, I feel totally. Uh comfortable giving this advice because i believe in the product so well um, well, it's fun to come back man thanks for having me yeah that was excellent six months or something yeah yeah we'll we'll have to you know uh, keep doing this every six months or whenever you want to come on but yeah that was really excellent uh it was great to hear from you i'm glad you're doing well and hanging in there and um you know you seem mentally you seem great I mean, well, you know, you seem like the good old Mike. There was, a, there was, there were a few times I talked to you throughout all this when you were like, you seemed like you were going through some real shit. And, I uh, have. <laughs> and you were <laughs> seriously bumming. So it's good to, good to hear you laughing and, 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 uh, seem feeling, feeling good seemingly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I do feel pretty well. Well, and also just FYI for anyone who is interested in, in going forward with this on any of those platforms. We are about to take a 2,500-mile drive 
and go oh, to yeah. a sustainable farm and we're going to go we're going to go live and work on a CSA which is a community supported agriculture and uh, we're going to help make food for ourselves and and for uh, small communities so that'll be a, that'll be fun to document especially mm-hmm. in the face of what's going on in the world because i think there's going to be a lot more people interested in sustainability and a lot more people sure. interested in growing their own food so yeah. we're going to provide a lot of intel and behind the scenes access to people that have been doing that and are continuing to do that successfully so that's kind of like a, a little exciting thing to get yeah. pumped for. Yeah. I also want to mention for you and, for, you know, uh, you, I think, just put on I Like to Paint Monsters for sale, the documentary That's I made right. about you. So uh, I imagine the sale will still be on when this goes live. So if you haven't um, seen it or if you have seen it but you want the DVD, you should go to Chet's uh, – Go to bigcartel.chetzar.chetzar.bigcartel.com, no, right? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, grab a copy because the the DVD has over an hour of bonus footage that we put a lot of energy into. Yeah. So there's the movie, but there's a lot. Of, I mean, that the bonus features we, are great, man. <laughs> four Alex, months on you know, packaging that, yeah. you know, you. I mean, yeah, I love. So the yeah, bonus hook it features. up. Definitely, yeah, good idea. I'm glad you reminded me of that. Um, and also. Uh, one last thing in regard to I like to paint monsters. I think Chet has the link in the description every time now. I keep forgetting but, uh, to say it though. I, I, if, I, I keep... I'm going to say it now though because uh, here's the thing: we, we really want I like to paint monsters <laughs> to be on Netflix, and there's a really easy way to do that. And there's a link in the description for this, and you can click on it, or you can just go to Netflix if you're not on a platform where you has the links or whatever. Um, and you can suggest titles, and it, the more people that suggest it to Netflix, we really hope that eventually they're going to realize that it's a worthwhile movie to host on their site and it's easy to do, but I would suggest that you put the whole title in so they don't get confused. So you will want to put in Chetzar colon. I like to paint monsters. Um, but yeah, I, we, we, we've had a lot of people do it. The more the merrier. And eventually they're just going to have to, it'll be like Shawshank redemption. We wrote, we'll keep writing that letter until eventually they get (laughs) sick of us and they just do it. They just get, yeah. I mean, if everybody on my Instagram, you know, 120,000 people all just put a request in on Netflix. It would get on. It would. You know, and it's just, it's it's insane to me that that movie's not on there. It's so good. It came out so, it's such a good film, and it so needs to be on there. Just, you know, and, and I'll say it again, like I always say it, it's not like anybody's making money from this thing, or nope. either of us are. It's, it's, it's a... a you know, it's a labor of love kind of project. And it really, you know, we both just want to get it out there because it's a good movie that we're proud of. Cause it, you know, yep. Mike just it made a great film and it's like, you know, you want it seen by as many people as possible. So, yep. um, Netflix is the place to be. So, uh, yeah, if you could do that, that would be, I would really appreciate it. I know Mike would too. So, yeah, I just, I would love it. I would love it if more people could see it. That's all I care about. You can you know? imagine? I just want more people. Can to you imagine enjoy if it. it was on Netflix? How cool that would be! I mean, that would, that would be amazing. It would be. It <laughs> I would be, be so happy. I would be very happy too. <laughs> and I think that's the only way it's going to happen is if we get the people to rally behind us. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, for you know, sure. give it, a, give it, a, give it a moment of your time. It doesn't cost you anything other than you know five minutes, if that. And uh, something else that doesn't cost you much money is to go onto iTunes and rate and review this podcast. Now, I, I recognize true. that I'm not the co-host anymore, but I am the co-creator, and I very much uh, support this this podcast, and we want more people to hear it too. So you should drop into iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or wherever and, and throw a rating and a review. Of course, iTunes is going to be the best place to do that. Um, it's going to get the best SEO. So, But yeah, do that too if you get a yes. chance. 
please please and uh you can also join the patreon and get the podcast a day yes. early and that's patreon.com slash dark art society and i've been adding supplemental Im- images as well from from uh, a lot of the artists that, that that come on that give me a bunch of images to choose from for the cover photo i started just kind of dumping them all in there so it's kind of neat um yeah i'm doing that more and more so yeah so uh join and and support it keep it keep it free for everybody and um yes. yeah thanks thanks again mike for coming on this is totally fun and great yeah, good man. to hear from you and uh can't wait to hurry up and finish that thing so or at least you know show me more show me more <laughs> give me well, something you left me hanging you're definitely going to get more that's for sure okay. i'm I'm excited because you're excited to hear more of the real stuff because like you were like i i like it i'm just excited for even more of the real stuff so. <laughs> yeah no i just i just want to see you know i want to see where the story goes I, i'm dying to know i'm dying to know it really um got me engaged so well i must have done something right yeah well thank you again man it's been it's been a blast and i'll look forward to our next round cool Excellent. Well, thanks again. Thank you everybody for listening and, uh, and, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the show and, and that's it for today. Okay. Say say goodbye to everybody. See y'all later. Peace. Bye.